Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Time to talk fantasy football here on Thursday, February 21st. And that means it's time to talk about the Steelers. That's all we talk about on fantasy football today. Welcome, everybody. Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg. Hoping to get Dave Richard on in a little bit. And we got some Le'Veon Bell news, some Antonio Brown news. And we got Jamie Eisberg. What's up? How are you? Good. Pretty good. You know. I uh, I would like to correct something I said in the last show. Ooh. All right. What do you got? Um, I I think I made it sound as if I like Kareem Hunt better than Nick Chubb. Oh, did the Twitter verse? I got a few you? critiques about that. Um, I, I think that Nick Chubb is the better fantasy running back. I think that Nick Chubb is just a as good of a running back. I think as a complete running back, I think Kareem Hunt might be a little bit better just from what we've seen from him as a pass catcher. Um, but I, I think it came across that I don't like Nick Chubb, and I don't think that – I know that's not the case. I mean, <laughs> um, So I, I apologize for any uh, uh, misconceptions or, or misconstruing my, my take on Nick Chubb in the situation. I just think he loses. That was what you asked us, which, which yeah. your two running backs lose. I think he loses if Kareem Hunt – plays 10 games well you really should be apologizing to nick chubb not to me not to the listeners i'm sorry nick chubb yeah apologize how you doing working on that gronkowski news oh i'm i'm, I'm on it I'm okay on it. good yeah. yeah just say I'm, he's gonna uh, I'm, I'm actually leaving from the combine to go to uh to the new england area i'm just gonna just follow him around break the new just say right now gronkowski's gonna retire because you're probably gonna be right <clears throat> And if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. People forgive you. All right, so let's get to some big news. We got some teammate combos, bringing that back. Uh, I'm trying to answer the question. I'm going to at least ask the question. Are running backs riskier than wide receivers? What have the last two years told us about that one? We got your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, a little free agency talk. And uh, when Dave moseys on into our show, he's going to talk about offensive coordinators, new ones, and their tendencies. All right, so this even ahead of the Steelers news, this is really something that jumped out to me. C.J. Anderson believes that Todd Gurley's late-season knee injury was, quote, a little bit more than what everybody in the building thought, including himself, um, end quote. And that is from Cameron DeSilva of USA Today. This uh, report coming from RotoWire. Um, it's actually on CBSSports.com, though. It's on uh, Todd Gurley's player page. But Anderson said, quote, Obviously, it's the same knee injury he's had before in his career. Obviously, I had surgery on my meniscus, and once you have a knee, you always have a knee. End quote. I always have a knee. I always have a knee, too. I'm very thankful for that. Yes, I'm thankful to have two of them. Um, he lied to my face, C.J. Anderson, because uh, during media night uh, for the Super Bowl, my job was to run around uh, with one of our cameramen, Dave, Dave, uh, Dane Claven, who's fantastic, and one of our producers, Andy Hecht, and we were just grabbing guys for our uh, CBS Sports HQ programming. And so one of the guys we got was C.J. Anderson. Well, you're and you're just going to go up and grab him. He's not going to... Well, uh, <laughs> um, not, you're not we going to curry favor. You have to understand that, um, and I've been on the other side of this, so it was a little uh, strange for me to be on the camera side of things. But there are a lot of reporters waiting to talk to these guys, especially the yeah. prominent ones that aren't at podiums. Right. So C.J. Anderson is one of the more prominent Rams that was not at a podium. And so we had to physically grab him and say, CJ, we're going live right now. Would you want to come on CBS? Uh, 
uh, and answer a couple questions. Sure. So he turns around away from the scrum that he's talking to and and then lied. And then he lied. He lied. It does teach you, I mean, not a lesson that you needed to learn, but it tells us can't always believe what people say. And you get, I think, more candor after the season's over for sure. But there are two well, things Well, he's also here. not part of the team anymore. He's a free agent. That's right. Um, he he, he disposed a little more. He could be. Yeah, that's also that's a great point. There's two things here. One, the knee injury more serious than anyone thought, including himself, according to C.J. Anderson. He's not a doctor. And two, once you have a knee, you always have a knee, which in this context is actually a bad thing. So do you have any reaction to this uh, Todd Gurley item? I mean, I think you have to look at it as going into 2019 fantasy drafts as of now, and I know you guys had this discussion. It just it feels a little hard to to take Gurley ahead of Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley, and you can. And I, I certainly don't have a problem with that. If we find out, you know, training camp, he's fine. Um, hopefully, there's nothing more than just some maintenance if there is a surgery. You know, nothing that he he tore or or, or is dealing with anything that he was trying to play through because of what the circumstances were for the Rams as a team. But something was up. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Pete Prisco drink. And several media members thought that it may have been something in his head that the moment got too big for him. Uh, I find that hard to believe. He still had, uh, you know, for the next gen stats, he was the fastest. He had the fastest time in the Super Bowl in terms of when he had that 16 yard run. You know, so where they they track your speed, he was the the fastest guy in the game, um, or at least at the point at, at, that they showed it. I don't remember if he finished as the fastest guy in the game, but I think he had the fastest time, I believe. So. It, it just was weird. The whole thing was weird. You know, he had 100 yards rushing against the Cowboys and then just completely faded away. 45 total yards on the ground against the Saints and Cowboys, the Saints and Patriots, um, which was uh, which was a little hard to, to stomach given what the circumstances were for the Rams. And you wonder if he was 100% healthy if they win that game. I mean, they lose by 10 points with their best player arguably not doing much of it all. I've evolved a little bit on the issue. I think I'm more open to taking Barkley number one overall in PPR. But I, I firmly believe that come July and August, everyone's going to be back on Todd Gurley at number one overall. That's just, just look at, I don't know, quasi bold prediction. He'll I be think I, number, he'll sorry. have the number one ADP. He won't be consensus number one, but he'll have I, the highest I, ADP. I, I'm, I would disagree with you just from the sim- standpoint of there's flashing new toy. Yeah. We'll but, one, you know. uh, the difference to me is the quality of the offense. I can't well, we get still over have to see how the finished products look. The touchdowns that girl. Right. right. And you know what? In, in free agency, we're going to talk about uh, a Rams offensive lineman who's a free agent. You couple that with – do we have any news on um, on their left tackle? Yeah, on Andrew Whitworth? I know he was uh, considering yet. it. Right. So if they lose Saffold and Whitworth, okay, then maybe we start – we reopen the, the conversation. Well, it's also if they keep Anderson. You know, if there is some level of competition, you know, Gurley hasn't had that. Yeah, he won't have it. They, they'll they'll feed him. <laughs> well, I, I know I people think, don't you know, disagree. If you're, if you're, people will disagree. You know, it, it's funny. Once teams get to a certain point in the postseason, they realize what it takes to get back there, and what you need to have when you're there. And but I don't you imagine, think the fact that C.J. Anderson was so bad in in both the a- NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, like, says, hey, we we need Todd Gurley to be our guy. Oh, I, I think that goes without saying. But that's kind of my point: is that they want to have him fresh then. And so some of these fourth quarter, second half scenarios where they're up, he's not the clock killer. Yeah, uh, for the sake of our listeners, I'll end this discussion. It was, I wanted to have a discussion with Jamie because he missed um, those conversations. But um, I think people have heard enough. So I, I, I just think the interesting point is that 
I'm the way where I'm going to disagree with you, and I don't think Gurley has the number one ADP. I think it will be Elliott and and Barkley in some fashion ahead of him. the The other thing will be is can Kamara jump him as well if Mark Ingram leaves and they don't add anybody of significance. Kamara averaged 33 PPR points per game in the first four games without Ingram last season. He yeah. was just a monster. Amazing. Uh, Antonio Brown say he and the Steelers president Art Rooney met and. Brown said both sides agree it's time to move on. The Steelers have been like, hey, we might try to trade you, but we're not taking anything cheap, and you might still be with the team. So uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. And the What Ste- would you give up to get Brown if you're an NFL GM right now? I'd have to be pretty close to championship level. Like, it wouldn't make sense for the Jets to give up a second-round pick for Brown. Um now the Jets have a ton of, of money. Maybe they upgrade their team, but still, I, I, they're they're clearly a little ways away. Whereas you know the 40- I believe I believe the either Sportsline odds or Vegas odds have the Cardinals as the number one team. Really? To yes. Yeah, I think that'd be a mistake if they gave up anything more than a third round pick, which won't get it done. Yeah, I think if you're the Colts, it makes yep, sense it to trade maybe something. I don't know, first round pick, but. It might have to be. Uh, the Packers also. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think the 49ers are a playoff team with him, or it, certainly in the discussion with healthy Garoppolo, Antonio Brown. I think that puts them in the mix. Yep. Um, and the Steelers will not use the franchise or the trans- transition tag on Le'Veon Bell. He will not be on the Steelers. He apparently uh, could be on the offensive line. <laughs> based on the- 60, man. <laughs> I just spoke to I, – I think uh, – I just did this on CBS Sports HQ today. Um, they asked me to rank the – or give my favorite destinations for a lot of the free agents. And um, just to be fun, I said the Ravens. I thought it would be kind of cool to say uh, – see what he would look like in Baltimore. Because um, they have a need and they clearly had a lot of success running the ball. Yeah, he looked like Barney apparently at his weight wearing those jerseys. <laughs> um. <laughs> he might. And so I was just talking to, uh, to a Ravens fan in our office. And he said, I'd love to get Le'Veon Bell. Just not that 260 version of him, you know. So yeah. uh, if he gets down to his playing weight, I think that would be a, a fun destination for him. That is – I wonder how the fan base would feel about that because, man, they hate the Steelers. But um, Baltimore is actually the number one destination for Dave in his column of his favorite landing spots. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, for, for Le'Veon Bell. And I wish Dave were here. He might be on the show within the next 10 minutes or so. But I think we should talk about this. And um, what do you most, think most, – Most likely he's going to end up – uh, I, I I would think one of three spots for me because I don't know if Baltimore is realistic. But uh, I think you look at Air, um, Tampa Bay. That's number at, two on Dave's list. You look at the Raiders and you look at the Jets because I think those two teams are going to have the money to get them. Oakland's number four. Houston's number three. Uh, they have $70 million in cap space according to Dave's story here. So Houston's certainly in the mix. That would be a fun one too. Tampa Bay, yeah, I mean, you would love him with Bruce Arians, right? I mean, oh, of course. PPR, cha-ching. What's the highest you could realistically rank Le'Veon Bell? Well, if he's with a team that has uh, a lot of weapons or, or weapons and or good coaching system, good uh, scenario for him, uh, I, I would put him toward the back end of the first round. But if he goes to a team like the Raiders or the Jets, it's uh, hands off for me. He'll be a third-round pick at best. If he goes to the Colts, I think. I don't. I don't see that though. That's the part of the problem. Yeah, Dave does not really either. Um, but in this beautiful world where Le'Veon Bell's on the Colts, I feel like I feel like top six pick. I just. I'm just worried about 
missing a year, what the weight is, what the conditioning is going to be. You know, it, it just everything for the, this scenario. And and again, I, I'll I'll say something that I said throughout the course of last season and the off season, and I say it everywhere we have these conversations. I think he's a great player that was in a great system, and now he's losing that great system. And so we'll see if the grass is greener when he goes somewhere else. Yeah, and Le'Veon Bell is sort of the Julio Jones of running backs. He's just allergic to touchdowns. He scores them, but not as many as you would think based on his touches. But he's great with total yards. Yeah, Connor scored 12. <laughs> what, 12 rushing or 12 total? He had 13 total, 12 rushing. Yeah, has Le'Veon Bell ever had a double-digit touch- I don't believe rushing. rushing touchdown season? No. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, so uh, those are your news and notes. Not much. We have a few more minor items later. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com is our email address. Please send us an email. Let's do some teammate combos, Jamie. Who do you like better? Which combo do you like better? We got a Colts combo and a Bengals combo. Do you like Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton or Joe Mixon and A.J. Green? Mixon and Green. Who do you like better, Hilton or Green? Hilton, slightly. But Green was on pace last year before his injury to be the number nine wide receiver in PPR. Really? I, I actually would have thought it was better because he was on pace. So would I. Um, but he uh, that's taking out the, the game where he came back and, and hurt the toe. Yeah, I got Green in his first not in his first eight games. He was on pace for 90 catches. Yeah, I guess this could be top 10 for sure. Uh, 1,374 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um. I had him as number five in non-PPR, number seven in PPR. So I'll trust you. Let's just compromise and say number eight. I'm top ten. I mean, you know, I, I think he, he can get to a place I don't think T.Y. Hilton will get to, especially yeah. if they add something. You know, Tyler Boyd, I think, is, is locked in as the number two receiver for the Bengals. You know, maybe they find a tight end or Tyler Eifert somehow gets cured of all his woes. Um, but I, I think you just look at what the scenarios are around them. The Bengals need A.J. Green to do more than the Colts need T.Y. Hilton to do. I think that was somewhat of an easy one. I think they get harder because because uh, the the running back upgrade is pretty significant. Mixon over Mac, at least on yep. draft day. Mixon had the fourth most rushing yards in the NFL, uh, with the eighth most carries, and he had seven games with fourteen or fewer carries out of fourteen games, and all seven of those games were losses. If the Bengals are better next year, the game script will be better for Mixon. All right, second teammate combo. Chiefs and Cowboys, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, or Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper. This one's different here. So we got the running back wide receiver for the Cowboys, Elliott and Cooper, or Mahomes and Kelsey. I'll take the Cowboys. Just I'm, I'm thinking about how I would draft them. Like I, I like Elliott as the number one overall pick. Okay. And Cooper is uh, going to be right around the swing for me. Okay. The round two, three swing. Kelsey in between. Kelsey would be in between them and then Mahomes slightly behind them. But I would take Zeke over Kelsey and I would take Cooper over Mahomes. I should have done some Twitter polls with these. I'll do a Twitter you, poll. You, with... you would take the Chiefs? No. I would take. Uh, no, I guess I'd take the Cowboys for Zeke. I, I think Cooper, if he stays healthy, could have just a monster season. Did. did uh, did I, did I tell you, or did, did you hear what happened with uh, with him and with Prisco at the at Radio Row? No, but I'm running out of water, so you got to stop saying Prisco's <laughs> name. Pete uh, Pete mentioned to him about his contract uh, during a segment that they were doing on on CBS Sports HQ, and then after they were done, 
Cooper went over and like shook his hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. So it, it's on his mind. Uh, good. Clearly. Yeah, he, uh, he's he's exciting. It was a little up and down, but um, I I, I wish I wish I could have taken a picture of his face when I asked him at the Pro Bowl. John Gruden said to anybody who would listen, "You're the main vein of the passing game for the Raiders," and then you don't get used, and you go to the, the Cowboys. And they finally used you the right way. And I said, what was the difference? He goes, I don't know what was going on in that guy's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrific. Um, nobody knows. All right, teammate combo number three, Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin or Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster? Wow. Um, I'll take the Steelers, but slightly, just because I think Juju's got a much higher ceiling than Baldwin does. I like Russell yeah. Wilson better than Roethlisberger now with Brown gone right uh, this is kind of a question about how much you like Roethlisberger um, and how much you like Wilson because he was only the number nine quarterback in fantasy last year ninth in four point per passing touchdown leagues eighth and six point per passing touchdown leagues it's amazing that he has thrown 34 or 35 touchdown passes in three of his last four seasons and he had a great year second best completion percentage third best yards of attempt in his career but just Russell Wilson did not throw it much and did not run it much. They just handed the ball off so much in the last season. But he played great. Um, for example, in 2017, Wilson was the number one quarterback in fantasy. 2018, he was eighth, ninth in four-point per passing touchdown leagues. And he averaged more fantasy points per pass attempt in 2018 than 2017. It was a usage thing for him. Uh, it's kind of interesting. All right, so James is going to take Roethlisberger and Juju over Wilson and Baldwin. Last one. Would you rather have the Vikings or the Rams, Diggs and Dalvin Cook, or Gurley and Brandon Cooks? Diggs and Dalvin or Gurley and Brandon Cooks? It's a close one. I'll probably lean toward the Rams because I do hope Gurley is right. But I think Dalvin Cooks could have a monster season. Yeah. I really do. I, I think, you know, just with Stefanski – Kevin Stefanski as the offense coordinator with Gary Kubiak also in, in, in the fold calling plays. You know, they're going to lean on the run based on what, uh, Mike Zimmer wants to do. I think the offensive line will be better. I think a year with Kirk Cousins, you know, getting, you know, fully acclimated even more to, uh, to Minnesota and this team. And it, it's close. I mean, I, I like Diggs better than Cooks, not by much, but I, I think, you know, again, if Gurley's right, you can't compare the two running backs. So, Jamie, we were going to talk about some of your Pro Bowl takeaways. Is that right? Or your uh, media, sure. or was it? It was Pro Bowl, or it was Radio Row. It was Super Bowl because I okay, gave you some okay. of the Pro Bowl stuff. That's what I thought. Recently. All right. So, from the Super Bowl, we're going to talk about some of Jamie's takeaways from the Super Bowl, and then we have some other segments after that, and of course, your emails. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, what did Jamie find out? What was this awesome Travis Kelsey story that we need to know? We'll be back right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-314. 
1-800-926-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, Jamie, what's that awesome Travis Kelsey story? So Kelsey was uh, uh, part of our, I think it was the Pick 6 uh, show that we did at, uh, at the Super Bowl for CBS Sports HQ, which we will be doing again at the uh, NFL Combine. It's a fun show with uh, Will Brinson, uh, kind of piggybacking off the Pick 6 podcast, which I highly recommend downloading. In any event, um, so I asked Kelsey, you know, you, you got the chance you know, to have a, of a, you had a successful season with Alex Smith in 2017. And then Patrick Mahomes in 2018, and I know, and I spoke to him in in between, and he said in in between seasons, and he said he was a little, you know, caught, he was cautiously optimistic about Mahomes taking over for Smith because Smith was so good for him, and so he said the offense with Alex Smith was like you're driving along in the car and you have a really good song on, and you know you're just you're you're enjoying it. It's it's really good, you you know you're bobbing your head. It's it's just a, a really fun situation, and then Mahomes comes on, and it's just like this different song and it's a it's a great song it's just a little bit faster a little bit more upbeat you're trying to figure out who's singing it and you just really can't turn it off and so i thought it was just really fun to hear him say you know he wasn't gonna say anything bad about smith yeah. understandably so <laughs> yeah. but just the the whole you had to like really kind of picture him like he's, he's almost pretending like he was driving you know it was it was just one of those things like uh, you, you could you could see him just kind of light up a little bit with uh with what mahomes meant him i'm trying to think of what songs would would be Alex Smith and which one would be Patrick Mahomes? Well, for you, it'd probably be like Alex Smith would be Brian Adams, and <laughs> well, Mahomes would be the Chili Peppers. Well, no, we'll keep it in the Brian Adams family. Like, like well, Alex Smith would be like everything I do. You know, you're just listening to it. You're probably singing along. You're enjoying it. It's nice. And then all of a sudden, cuts like a knife comes on, and it's Mahomes, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, let's rock. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, and. and- a lot of these things, if you just want to uh, find the full interview, and you, you could see what Kelsey said word for word, if you just Google their names and CBS Sports HQ, the full interview would come up. All right, some other stuff. Uh, what did Juju Smith-Schuster have to say about being the number one guy? So at the time, obviously Brown uh, and, and the trade demands had not been necessarily met, not that they've been met yet, but I think you know where I'm going with that, that the Steelers weren't indicating that they were going to trade him. So he was pretty adamant that at, at that point, uh, you know, early February, that Brown would be back. But I asked myself, okay, let's assume Brown's gone. How do you feel about being the number one guy? And he said, and this is a direct quote, obviously being the number one guy, I'm going to embrace that, taking that role. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be an honor. Uh, I just finished writing about Juju and James Conner taking over the lead roles for Pittsburgh fully now, embracing that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Juju operates as the number one guy. You know, he's entering his third season. I don't know how much better he'll be production-wise 
you know, when you go from 111 catches, you know, leads the team, uh, 1,400 yards leads the team, seven touchdowns, second on the team behind Brown. He's now gone from uh, a 58 catch guy. You know, he almost doubled his his reception total from his rookie season. His yards go up by over 500. He had seven touchdowns as a rookie. I don't know if there's a higher ceiling he can get production wise, but um, he may be looking at 150 targets. And so it's hard to overlook that from what Roethlisberger does. I think who they get as the second guy is going to be really key. If it's James Washington or an upgrade, you know, I think Washington, you know, has a long way to go clearly to, to assume that successful number two role. But there, there's, I, I think it's going to be, his ADP is going to be interesting. You know, he was, uh, he, he was clearly great number eight PPR receiver last year. Can he get into the top five? That's, I think, what people have to, you know, really evaluate if you're going to draft him back into the first round, beginning the second round, depending on format. I know we talked about Jalen Samuels <clears throat> on our previous show. I just, uh, I wonder who picks up the slack. You just mentioned James Washington. James Conner himself had 55 catches in 13 games. That's pretty good. But, you know, this was the first time a number two receiver had an amazing year with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so who is it? You know, because previously it was pretty much Le'Veon Bell was their number two wide receiver. Yep. So who, how does it get spread out? I guess we'll find out. We'll see what they do in free agency in the draft. Uh, so Jameis Winston, you had a chance to talk to him and he talked about playing for Bruce Arians. This interview I highly recommend checking out because this was one of the more candid interviews I've ever had with a football player. He was honest. He said last year was frustrating for him. He talked about the disappointment of the suspension of being benched, how he had to you know earn his job back, the respect he had, has and had for Ryan Fitzpatrick and why he didn't necessarily make us think about being benched because he said... Fitzpatrick was playing great. It was hard to justify him, you know, uh, getting back on the field until he proved himself. He also talked about, which I think a lot of us are excited about, the idea of playing for Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. He said he's making the sales pitch to Deshaun Jackson to keep him. He said, I've been a disappointment to Deshaun Jackson, and I'm trying to tell him that I can help him get to where he wants to go. So it was very candid to hear him talk about some of the things that have plagued him in his career. And I don't think it was, you know, we kind of joked about C.J. Anderson and, and, and how he, he lied, <laughs> essentially. Uh, I don't think that this was the case of a player just talking. I think this was actually somebody who has come to grips with he's been a disappointment on and off the field in his NFL career. This is probably his last chance. And the fact that Arians is saying that he wants him to be the guy, this is a perfect situation for Jameis because if you know Bruce Arians' uh, catchphrase about quarterbacks, no risk it, no biscuit. No biscuit, no risk it. No, no risk it, no biscuit. Um, right. In terms of you can be aggressive and that's kind of what Jameis is. And he said, he goes, at the end of the day, I have to be the guy that is the reason we won the game, not the reason we lost the game. So he was very you know, forthcoming about what his career has been, what his season was last year. And I think what his outlook could be for Bruce Arians. I'm excited about Jameis this year. You know, uh, just a couple quarterbacks we talked about. I would take Russell Wilson over him, but I would take Jameis over Ben Roethlisberger. I was going to ask. Yeah, that's that's pretty gutsy. You know, he hasn't. He's been disappointing, as you mentioned. Taking him over Roethlisberger. Are, yeah, are either think, of them I, top 12 guys for you? I'm sorry? Are either of them top 12? James, Jameis will be. I haven't gone through my rankings fully yet, but Jameis will be. Uh, he'll probably be in that 10 to 12 range, Roethlisberger 13 to 15. Um, again, what these receiving cores look like by the end of free agency in the draft will determine it. But right now, knowing that Ben is losing Antonio Brown and Jameis is getting Bruce Arians, Arians has been good for quarterbacks everywhere he's been. Are you trying to say Bruce Arians is a better wide receiver than Antonio Brown? Um, <laughs> slightly. Two guys uh, that like each other very much, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah? 
well, he he didn't exactly speak fondly of Antonio Brown. Oh, I didn't pick up on the sarcasm. He didn't yeah. speak fondly of Antonio Brown? No. Oh, I must have missed that. Um, Alvin Kamara, you spoke to him. What did he say about Mark Ingram and what his role would be if, if Mark Ingram does not return? So I, I think anybody that follows the NFL closely knows that Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are, are great friends, and they enjoy playing on the same team with each other and, and their company. Um, he would like Mark Ingram very much so to return. Ingram's a free agent. Uh, but, you know, he said... His, his direct quote is, if he doesn't come back, he said, I'm sure we'll find ways to get me the ball and not kill me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, he, he understands that they may add another running back if Ingram does not come back. But I, I think he's also aware that, you know, what he did in those first four games is kind of an indication of where he'll be. Um, I didn't necessarily look at what the um, his total touches were and, and the percentage of touches that he got, but I just know his production. Like I said, he, he averaged 33 PPR points in those first four games without Ingram when he was suspended. He could be just an absolute, absolute star. Not that he's not already, but just in an, a, on a different level if there's no one of significance back, and that includes Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, the stats right now. He had a 15-catch game. He had a 9-catch game in Week 1 and a 15-catch game in Week 3 against uh, two teams that I think were both pretty bad covering running backs. One Atlanta. We know Atlanta's always bad. Uh, Tampa Bay and Atlanta. And he'll face them twice this year, too. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I did a, like a red zone breakdown as well. I'll see if I can find that that data. I'll dig into the old notes. But yeah, Kamara could be a monster. No question. But you know, they, they do want to make sure he doesn't get overworked. And I think they more or less did that. I mean, his carries in weeks one through four, eight 13, 16, and 19. Probably won't have that many 19 carry games, but he can be really good at 13 carries and six catches. I mean, you give this guy 19, 20 touches, Kamara's going to have a big year. Uh, and I think we could be getting even more than that. Okay. Uh, and I then, think I think the question right now comes, if, if you if you think Gurley's still in the top three because Barkley and Zeke are not getting out of the top three barring an injury, can Kamara be four? Yeah, he can. I mean... But would you take him for? No, I, I would take I would take McCaffrey over him. See, I would take him over McCaffrey if Ingram's if Ingram's gone and nobody of significance is back. Now, if they add somebody or bring back Ingram, it's a different story. Yeah, all right, because I think McCaffrey's touchdowns might go down, and I think Kamara has shown he's going to score touchdowns, no question. So then, why would you take? I yeah, so I'm thinking I probably would. I probably would take Kamara. I think McCaffrey feels a little safer, but. It's funny because Camaro over a two-year span has been better than McCaffrey over a two-year span to say safer. I I understand where you're coming from, but yeah, he's safer because there's no talk about hey, we have to limit Christian McCaffrey's touches or anybody of significance to take away from him. Exactly, exactly. Sure, but I I think again, it comes down to you know if the Saints do what they did last year, where it's a Boston Scott in the draft, you know, a sixth-round pick or seventh-round pick, whatever he ended up being. Um, and it's uh, a Mike Gillisley type, you know, like a, a nondescript free agent. You know, if they go out and they sign Tevin Coleman and they draft somebody, then no, of course you're not going to take Camara over McCaffrey. But if it's just also ran to pair with to pair with Camara, you know, then I think you 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 can feel comfortable maybe about him and and maybe even him over Gurley, like I said in PPR. You know who the free agent signing would be that would that would make me kind of scratch my head, go, hmm, how does this affect uh, Camara? Golden Tate. If they added Golden Tate, it would be very interesting. Because they, they have nobody to throw the ball to other than Michael Thomas. That's great for Kamara. If they add a slot receiver, 
Would that drop his catches by 15? Kamara's catches? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. All right, last thing. Tariq Cohen wants more touches. He only had one game all year with double-digit carries. Tariq Cohen wants more touches, Jamie. And I think that would be interesting. You know, he uh, he, he was, you know, very uh, complimentary of, of Matt Nagy and how he gets the ball to all of his playmakers. And, you know, I think kind of said the obvious with what a lot of NFL players say, that everybody would like the ball. But I think it was just more, when I went back and listened to the interview, just what it could be if he ended up getting more carries. And there is some talk about maybe them moving on from Jordan Howard, who is uh, still under contract, but um, you know, not somebody I think that fits that system. Whereas you saw what Tree Cohen was in the limited touches that he had. He finished as the number 12 PPR running back and better than Jordan Howard in that scoring format. So um, it'd, be, it'd be fun to see if they can give him a little bit more work, obviously based on his size and I think his role, um, you know, what he does at times on special teams in the return game, uh, in the passing game, it, it's probably not going to change much. But just imagine what it could be. You know, it's kind of like what we talked about for guys like Theo Riddick and Duke Johnson and, and players like that over the last several years, Darren Sproles. They're better for their team than they are for fantasy typically. But this guy showed that he could be good for fantasy also. So if they were to give him a little bit more work, it could be fun. 17th in non-PPR, 12th in PPR for Tariq Cohen. Boy, Jordan Howard is strange. I mean, what a fall from grace. He looked like like a stud. He had a great rookie year. Nobody's excited about him anymore. Do you know what's funny uh, that you say that? Because I, I was thinking about this the other day. I did a startup dynasty league with analysts from other sites, and I think I mentioned this before. I believe I had the third overall pick or fourth overall pick. So I took Mike Evans, fourth overall. Uh, this was after his rookie season, I believe. Second round, I took Jordan Howard. Third round, I took Todd Gurley. <laughs> so wait, this was after Gurley's down This was year? after Gurley's second season. That's really funny. <laughs> so can you, ma- can you imagine how different that draft would go now? No, that's that's. A really I mean, not that Gurley's going in the in in the third round clearly, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 this again, other other analysts from other sites, myself included, passed on Todd Gurley twice before getting him. <laughs> the third well, you round. Knew, well, of course you passed on. You knew you could get him in the third round. Yeah. All right, so those are some of Jamie's takeaways uh, from. And there, there, like I said, there are a lot of others. Real. If if you um, if you Google CBS Sports HQ Super Bowl, you'll see a ton of interviews, uh, and and we'll post a bunch of them throughout the course of the offseason, the fantasy relevant ones. I'm gonna go ahead and guess Dave is not joining us on today's show. So, what? Well, all right, we have some other segments that we can get to. We don't need Dave. We don't need no stinking Dave. Jamie, let's do a few more news items here. Uh, the Miami Herald's Adam Beasley expects the Dolphins to release Devontae Parker and maybe Danny Amendola. Your thoughts? Parker makes sense. I mean, you know, just given the failures that he's had uh, in his first four seasons, he, um, you know, uh, I think still has the talent to be a capable NFL receiver, but it's probably best that he gets a fresh start and the Dolphins move on, especially given what they're trying to accomplish and Tanking for Tua or, you know, building for the 2020 season. So I, I don't know if, if, Tua. That's nice. if, if he makes sense to stick around. Amendola would be interesting. Um, funny Amendola side note. Uh, we have some friends who uh, bought my kids some dolphin stuff and I don't know if it was a discount item or whatnot, but they got my son a Danny Amendola t-shirt. And when I looked at it, I was like, Hmm. I don't know if this is a long-term <laughs> keeper for you, buddy. <laughs> Did you see the Machado jerseys were on sale before they were allowed to be on sale? No. Some people may have actually bought them. The Padres uh, ones? Yeah, Padres Machado jerseys, but before he signed the contract. Oh. So they had to be taken off the shelves. So I was thinking to myself, if I had rushed to buy a Machado jersey 
and then they discontinued selling them. Would I secretly hope that the signing falls through and he doesn't end up on the Padres? Would I have a collector's item at that point, or would I just have a useless junk? Useless junk. Oh, okay. Then I guess I won't. I won't root for that. Uh, the Raiders close to a deal to keep them in Oakland for 2019 and maybe 2020, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. And Ravens. Can, off- you, can you imagine any free agent signing there with the Raiders? Yeah, the ones that just want money. Right, but like, or the ones who want to live in Vegas soon. But it's such a—I mean, the way that the NFL is built, unless you're, you know, quarterback at this point. Who's guaranteed to still be there that long? Yeah, that's a good point. I actually think, like, if I trusted Raiders management, I'm call me crazy, I didn't mind the Khalil Mack trade. Because I sort of felt like if they had locked up Amari Cooper, locked up Khalil Mack, what would they have been? Would they have competed for a playoff spot? I really don't think so. So I like that they stockpiled all these draft picks and have a ton of money to spend, and they're moving to a new market. Like I actually don't mind their path. I just don't really trust John Gruden to execute it appropriately. But they have three first-round picks, so I mean they could they could set themselves up right now for. Well, for yeah, they're going to have young talent. You know, that's the that's the key if they do it the right way, and you know, hopefully Mike Mayock being on that staff will will help also. But um, I did like Le'Veon Bell to me is somebody that you know seems if he's just out for the money he can go there. Yeah, but, like that would, I can't, see, that would I can't, not I can't, make sense for them. Huh? That wouldn't make sense for them. That's not like. No. The, no, the but it would make sense for Gruden. I guess so. It wouldn't make sense for the franchise, but in any event, I, I it just not knowing where you're going to play, not knowing if you're going to be out, you know, be on the on the team when they move to Vegas. Uh, just it just feels like just a terrible, terrible situation. I, I agree with you. Stockpiling the picks is not a bad move, but it just it just feels icky. I, I hope it's not the case because it would be great if the Raiders were good. According to Track, they have. I hope I'm saying that right. They have the seventh most cap space right now. So a bunch of picks and cap space, mm-hmm. and not much else. <laughs> um, <laughs> can, can you name their best fantasy option right now without thinking about it? I guess I had to think about it. No, Jared Cook, but free agent, I know. Jordy Nelson. Well, but but Jared Cook, if he's back, right? Oh, he's not going back there. You don't think so? No. You don't think it's a good destination for free agent? No, just <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the last note was just about Greg Roman, Baltimore's offensive coordinator, wants to build his offense around Lamar Jackson from the ground up, which is just interesting to think, you know, Jackson was not in an offense that was built for him. He came in midseason. They've got now offseason and training camp to put something together and hopefully adjust to his skills, which are mostly the legs, both of his knees, which we have established are good to have. <laughs> the theme of the show, <laughs> yeah. having knees. They're going to be uh, a lot of interesting free agents, but not too many on offense. If you take a look at Pete Prisco's top free agents, drink. Yeah, uh, he did a top thirty, and I believe only eleven of them are on offense. And let me count: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are linemen. So four skill <laughs> position players. Uh, I, I'm not even seeing four. I'm only seeing three: Le'Veon Bell. No, four. Le'Veon Bell, Nick Foles, Tyrell Williams, and Golden Tate. I did. Uh, I did Chris Harris's podcast yesterday. Oh, cool! And and we spoke about the free agent receivers, and it's such a boring class. There, are, there, <laughs> yeah. there, there are two guys that I think would be really interesting if they end up in the right spots. Because Golden Tate, I think, could still be a, a very good fantasy receiver in in the right situation. Um, but John Brown and Tyrell Williams. 
if they can get to the right scenario, like Tyrell, we saw 2016 when Keenan Allen had the torn ACL. He had a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. You know, he you know, on 68 catches. He's averaged basically 15 yards per catch his his career. So, you know, if he could be more than just a deep threat, that would be I think something fun. Uh, I don't necessarily value him more than John Brown. I think Brown's a little bit better as a receiver if he's right. But Brown, as we saw, you know, he got off to such a great start last season with Flacco, with a more traditional quarterback, and then just do you know how many catches he had in the seven starts that uh, Lamar Jackson made? What'd you guess? Uh, I'm honestly, I'm gonna guess ten. That'd be high. <laughs> he had eight catches with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I like John Brown. I like him. I think you know one thing that I said to Chris was uh, Chris Harris is stay in a situation where the sickle cell trait will not be an issue. Well, how many situations would it be an issue? Obviously, Denver. Well, I think as we saw, you know, maybe it's just an East Coast West Coast thing. I have no idea. I mean, Arizona was a problem. He goes to Baltimore and East Coast for the first time in his career as a as a full time player, and no issues. Yeah, I, that would surprise me if that were the reason. But it, I, I don't know this to be factual. I'm just you know putting two whatever two it two is. Together. Yeah, yeah, stay healthy, stay on the field, and then Golden Tate, you know, obviously finished with a whimper when he got traded to the Eagles, which taught me a big lesson. Because Well, did it? Because then you look at Amari Cooper. But I was pretty pumped about Golden Tate going to the Eagles. I thought he was going to be really good. Um, it was just a bad fit. Stafford was playing so poorly. But it was just a terrible fit because they didn't, they needed an outside guy, and he's not an outside guy. I think, generally speaking, I'm going to be pretty skeptical about midseason trades for wide receivers. I think it's going to be tough for them. But then again, Amari Cooper was great. So, you, you, I guess. Well, how you many know. how many receivers usually get traded midseason though? It's very limited, but it's happened the last two years, and it might be a trend. The NFL trade deadline is usually a really boring day. Last couple of years, it's been it's been exciting. Not so. Just what, one did, day. what did we have the last last couple of seasons? We had last year. We had Demarius Thomas. Flop. Yeah, and Golden Tate. Yeah, flop. Golden Tate flop. Uh, Cooper good. The year Josh before Gordon. that. Oh uh, yeah, we had Josh Gordon. We had Jay Ajayi the year before that. Uh, I know we had more. I know we had more. Um, because I remember these conversations. I mean, Des Bryant was a acquisition, but never materialized. Yeah. Oh, come on. Who are we missing here? I know we had a couple of trades in 2017. Let's 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 do some googling. I'm gonna read some emails and I'll and I'll Google in the meantime. Keith from a college town in Connecticut. Um, stores. When do you keep the best player over value? Twelve-team non-PPR league, we keep two. I'm keeping Nick Chubb with a late-round pick, but his other keeper, Julio with the twelfth pick, Devontae Adams with the thirteenth pick, or T.Y. Hilton with the thirty-sixth pick. So it's Julio and Devontae Adams basically in round one, or T.Y. Hilton in round three. So the way I would, the way I, I I'm going to rank it would be Adams one. Julio two and Hilton three and Adams and Julio will be two top five wide receivers for me. Whereas Hilton will be closer to eight. So I think the drop off is not as significant at that position that I would rather have my first two picks. Cause there's a chance that you can get one of those two receivers still depending on the keepers. Kelvin Benjamin got traded. That's right. He was great. <laughs> he was definitely not. A third, they got a third round pick for that, um, and a seventh. Good job, yeah, Ajayi, Kelvin Benjamin, and Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Uh, Dwayne Brown also got traded left tackle. Think think that's it. Next email is from Brandon. Keeper question. Can keep these guys as long as I want without a draft pick loss. It is half PPR. It is two quarterbacks, three wide receivers, two quarterback league. Would you keep Russell Wilson or Juju Smith-Schuster? It's interesting. Um, I'd probably, well, we don't know the quarterback scoring, right? If it's four or six points. I don't know, but it's half PPR. I'd probably keep Juju. I'm surprised that was a struggle for you. I thought for sure you'd go Juju. Well, I mean, in a 2QB league, Russell Wilson's great. Russell Wilson's great if they let him throw. And I imagine that they will, just because it's almost like Seattle was such an outlier last year with the way they ran the ball that I I just can't expect that to happen again. You know, That they'll be as good running the ball or that they'll be as efficient throwing the ball? That they'll be, well, probably that too, but that they'll be as good running the ball and that they'll run the ball as often. Just 33 carries a game for a team. This is really ridiculous. I mean, it is Pete Carroll's M.O., though. And Schottenheimer's. But it, yeah, I know, but it seemed like Schottenheimer on steroids or something. Which is a, Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> with Schottenheimer on steroids or something? <laughs> I can't even say it twice. From Dario. Hey there, keeper question I know for it's not you. Dario. It's probably Dario. Keeper question for you. 12-team half PPR league. Two receivers. Um, one round penalty each year for keepers cannot keep a first or a second rounder. And I have the fifth overall pick keep four of these guys, Joe Mixon in round two. This is again, half PPR Mixon in round two, Sony Michelle in round six, Galladay in round 12, Carson in round eight, Rashad Penny in round four and Darius Geis in round nine. So I'm slightly confused. Because it says no first or second rounders can be kept, but you can keep Mixon in the second round. So I think Mixon is a third rounder that he's keeping for a second rounder. Okay. So there's no real value there. I think Mixon will be end up being a second round pick anyway. I would uh, probably but keep. Pro- I don't think we'll get back to him necessarily if he really wants him. He has the fifth overall pick, so it's seventh in round two. My guess is Mixon's off the board by then. Okay. So depending on the keepers, he could be the fifth overall pick potentially. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I would keep Galladay for sure. And Michelle, probably, Michelle in round six, right? And probably Sony Michelle. So you end up with, let's just say Mixon is the best player. Mixon, Michelle, and Galladay, it's a pretty good start. No, but you have failed this exercise because, Jamie, you can keep four of these players. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Michelle so, and Galladay. Okay, so keep Michelle, keep Galladay, uh, keep Carson, and... Maybe keep mixing just to guarantee you get him. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Because, I mean, guys could be good in round nine. Well, I think the reports will certainly indicate if you're keeping guys. Um, and maybe even if you're keeping Carson, see what they say about Penny in the offseason. Certainly not I keeping Penny I, for I round I don't four. think that we're going to get any indication, knowing Pete Carroll, that Carson's being benched. Oh, it, Pete Carroll is the most obvious. They're all, they're all starting and playing every snap, according to Pete yes. Carroll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Jamie, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good, good job there by Jamie Eisenberg. Schottenheimer on steroids, some something. <laughs> and uh, we'll come back next week. We got a show for you. I believe on Monday will be our next show. We'll have two for you next week, and we'll try to start getting some guests on, give some different fantasy perspectives. As we're in a bit of a dead zone, but Jamie's also going to the combine, so we'll have plenty to talk about after the NFL combine. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Jamie Eisenberg, I'm Adam Azer. We'll see you later.